Hey, happy 4th of July, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, good morning. My name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm glad that you're here this morning. Thank you. It's an honor uh, to have you here today. And uh, so we are uh, continuing in our series this summer that we've entitled Don't Forget This. And uh, we are uh, taking really the whole summer, the bulk of the summer, and focusing on the many, uh, eight of the many things that throughout Scripture God says, remember this, or don't forsake this, or don't forget this. And we've been in this journey of remembering the important things of God. And let's face it, sometimes during the summer, it's hard to remember things, right? So, um, or if you're me, it's hard to forget. It's hard to remember things all the time. So anyway, uh, we're going to be in Deuteronomy today, all the way back in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So you can turn there, chapter 2. Uh, we'll be there in uh, just a moment. Um, and uh, we're going to be taking a look at one of the great stories, I believe, one of the great lessons that we can learn uh, in regards to uh, God saying, don't forget this. It is 4th of July, and so we focused, and we're going to be focusing on freedom because uh, he says for us not to forget the freedom that we have in him. And uh, it's a privilege to live here in the United States of America in a free world, a, a place that we can even come here and gather together in this building that once was a big warehouse and now is a worship center. And uh, we can gather and worship uh, our God. And so we're privileged and we're thankful for the freedom that we have, uh, general freedom, but uh, we often forget the spiritual freedom that we have in Christ. And so God reminds us to not do that. Would you join me before we dive in in a word of prayer? God, thank you so much uh, for the freedom that we do have. Um, as Americans, American citizens, God, I thank you that uh, we are able to worship here without the fear of invasion, disruption. God, I thank you that we are allowed to do this. And God, may we not take that freedom for granted. God, may we not forget those who have gone before, who, um, God, have, have died or, or have been hurt for our freedom. And God, I thank you for those, many are in this room who are currently in, in service to our country in active duty. And I just thank you so much uh, for the freedom that we have as Americans. But God, today, uh, I pray as we kind of turn our, our heads and our hearts towards the things of you, God, I pray that we would also be just as grateful, if not more grateful, for the spiritual freedom that you've given us. And God, I pray that you would help us right now, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. God, may you pierce our hearts and change our minds. God, would you help us to have a shift in attitude, a shift in thinking, a shift in behavior, a shift in lifestyle. God, whatever that thing is that is holding us back from experiencing the results of freedom spiritually. God, I pray that you would identify that in our lives today. And God, may you give us freedom in you. We thank you so much for the sacrificial death of Jesus, your son. Who gives us that freedom? And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love Deuteronomy 6, verse 2, or 6, verse 12. He says this, Then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Out of the house of slavery. You know, there existed a day and an age in our country in fact, there existed a day and age in the known world 
uh, where slavery, unfortunately, was common. There existed a day in this country, as hard as it is to believe, and, and, and as hard as it is to think that we would allow, have allowed this to happen, there was a time in our country where people were categorized by a certain status, and that status was you were either a slave or you were free. And as deplorable as that is, as heartbreaking as that is, uh, our country even went to war over this. And most of you, if not all of you, know that the Civil War really, um, the heart of the Civil War was an issue. Yeah, it was states' rights. Yeah, it was other things, financial things. But at the heart of it was was really and truly a, a tension, a challenge between people that supported slavery and, and people that supported freedom. And it's interesting because as a, a person, if you were born into a home that was a, a slave home, you were born and you automatically, just by virtue of being born into that family, by virtue of just that and that alone, you received the status of slave. It was an actual status that like the United States of America and many other countries at that point in time, unfortunately, recognized. And by being born in, just by virtue of the family that you were born into, you were either slave or you were free. Just like someone would be born with blue eyes or someone would be you know, born tall, not me, but um, and um, you know, someone might be born with a certain personality or a certain temperament. Um, you were born um, not by your choice into a status of slave. And that would often kind of like really be the thing that set the course of action for that person's life until January 1st, 1863. Because on January 1st, 1863, those of you who are history buffs and those of you who are even paying attention in like fifth grade, you probably know what happened on January 1st, 1863. What happened on January 1st, 1863? President Lincoln signed what was called the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation and it's an interesting document, probably one of the, I believe, one of the greatest documents ever to come from this country. Yeah, on July 4th, we celebrate our, our freedom of independence um, from, from Great Britain, um, a fact that I remind all of my British friends often. So anyway, my English friends often. Uh, so anyway, when they make fun of us about our, our stuff, I, I remind them of that often that we won. But anyway, uh, we celebrate that today. But really, along with that, we celebrate what I believe is one of the greatest documents to come out of the United States of America, and that's the Emancipation Proclamation. And so you see, with one stroke of the pen, President Lincoln signed a document that caused the statuses of three million slaves that lived in 10 states that were still a part of the Confederacy at that time. It caused them to move from the status of slave to free, just like that. Just like that, in a moment. People that were once slaves now were free. The problem is, is that in that day and age, they didn't have uh, these devices. And in that day and age, they didn't have these devices. And in that day and age, even newspapers were hard to come by. So in that day and age, even though President Lincoln signed a document that gave freedom to those who were slaves before on January 1st, 1963, over the course of the next two years, there were places, particularly in the South, that people that had become free didn't even know about it. They were free for the first time in their life, perhaps the first time in generations, and they didn't even know about it. 
In my study of, of this uh, leading up to uh, today, um, I read something interesting about the South Carolina Low Country and in, in its relation to the Emancipation Proclamation. One of the points I knew, the other point I didn't know, and, and the first is, is that on January 1st, 1863, um, word got down here very quickly. And so many of the slaves that had been slaves were freed immediately on that day or in the few days thereafter, which is great. But you know the part I didn't know that, that I read um, just this past week was that in some of the major newspapers in cities like New York and, and Chicago and um, up and down the eastern seaboard, Philadelphia, um, by the 7th of January of that same year, they were writing stories about the amazing celebration and jubilee that happened on Hilton Head Island, Beaufort, and, and uh, up into Port Royal. Isn't that awesome? We were, were one of the few places that celebrated this great document. Can you imagine living in a place where you were a slave and you had been a slave all of your life and perhaps for generations before that, and all of a sudden at that point in time, you were made free, but you never really knew about it. You never really discovered it. In fact, reports are, and, and history tells us, that it took nearly two years for many of the slaves to truly become free down in the South. Terrible time in our history, but with one stroke of the pen, President Abraham Lincoln changed all of that. Changed everything. And you know, many slaves found out, many previous slaves or former slaves found out in the days and the weeks and months and years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, that freedom comes with a price. Freedom comes with a price. It may be that your status changed from, changes from slave to free, but freedom for many former slaves came with a price. You see, during that period of time, they became free and they were categorized as a status of free after that point in time. But still, in many places in the South, they had to secretly like run for the border, literally, of a union state or union-controlled territory so that they could actually like live in the freedom that they were given. Or they had to wait on union troops to come in and change the order of things that existed. And so for many of the former slaves, it cost some of them their lives, cost some of them their safety, it cost some of them their well-being. There were some things that they left behind in terms of property value that it cost them. And many of them learned and unfortunately learned that often is the case, freedom doesn't come easy and it comes with a price. That is a lesson that the people of God recorded in the Old Testament learned very well during their time after being freed up from the bondage and the slavery of the Egyptians. You see, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, had um, followed God to a place called Goshen, and then all of a sudden, 75 people were, were brought into captivity under the, the evil um, Egyptian rule, and they were forced to work. They were forced to do things that they didn't want to do that often cost them their lives and uh, their well-being and the, the well-being of their family. And then uh, 400 years later, and 75 people turned into 2.5 million people, um, God saw to it to allow the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, to escape the bondage of, of the Egyptians and walk on dry land uh, across the Red Sea 
into their freedom or towards their freedom. And the hope was that they were following God and that God had promised them this, this land that where they had come from, and that was the promised land. That was their goal, except that their goal didn't come right away. In fact, it took 40 more years, and the nation of Israel wandered in the desert. And as bad as Egypt was, at points of time when they wandered in the Sinai Desert, there were times when individually or corporately, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, would rise up against Moses and against God and against the leaders and say, we want to go back to Egypt. Can you imagine? I mean, we can't imagine that, can we? Why in the world would you want to go back to that place of bondage? Why would you want to be taken back to that place where your life was always in danger, where you were treated terribly, where um, you, you were not given any of the current modern luxuries of life at all. In fact, you provided most of those under slave rule. Why in the world would you want to turn around and go right back to slavery? Well, we may look at that and we may scoff at the Jewish people. We may think that they were selfish, that they were spoiled. We may think that um, there's no way that we, given that situation, would go right back into that place of slavery. But you know what? Uh, you and I, we, we do it all the time, spiritually. We do it all the time, spiritually. We walk right back to that place of slavery when we already have the status of free. I want you to take a look at this passage here as it's recorded in Deuteronomy. Um, this is chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 10 uh, down through 15. And we'll pause in a moment and take a look at some specifics. This is what God tells the Jewish people, and I believe he's telling us to today, today to remember. He says this, and to not forget. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to give you, with great and good cities, cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, verse 12, please don't miss this, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. You shall fear him. You, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Okay. Uh, now, <laughs> I want to take a look at that first verse, and then I want to jump down to verse 13. It's so interesting in that first verse. You get the impression right out of the gates that God understands something about the human nature. And that is, is, is humanity with freedom um, really is, is not a good thing, Right? Like humanity with, with given freedom, our natural inclination is to maybe take credit for the freedom that we're given. God understood that. He also understood that the tendency, at least for the Jewish people here, would be to not only you know, maybe deny that he was the one that gave the freedom, but the natural tendency would be to serve ourselves with the freedom that we've been given. 
The natural tendency would be to serve other gods, small g, you may notice there, um, that, that the natural tendency of the Jewish people and for us, all of us, would be to like take the freedom that we've been giving, given and worship something else. God understood that. And that's why it's so important. I don't want you to miss this. That's why it's so important that we remember freedom. Because the freedom that God gave us is from him. We did nothing to earn that spiritual freedom. Nothing. It's from him. And this is also the, the passage where we hear, one of the passages where we hear that God is a jealous God. Now, at first glance, we may look at that and go, wait a minute, I don't like that. We don't like jealousy, right? Jealousy is something that is incredibly um, ugly. It makes uh, someone really incredibly not attractive. Jealousy is something that in our hearts and in our minds is born really from a place of sin and insecurity. But God is jealous for you, each one of you, for a different reason. And that is because he cares for you. He cares so much for you, that's why he's jealous for you. It's, it says there in verse 15, um, uh, or in verse 10 there, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to give you, um, he said with great uh, uh, things and good cities, and he goes through the list, verse 12, he says, then, verse 12, he says, then take care. You see, everything that God does in terms of giving you freedom is for your good. It's not for his good. It's not for, um, you know, like some kind of self-promotion of God himself. It is for your good. So when you hear that God is a jealous God, he is a jealous God, but he's jealous for you because he cares for you. You see the difference between our kind of jealousy and God's kind of jealousy? He cares for you. So much so, so that he says that we need to remember the freedom that he has given us. And so we see inherently that the, the Jewish people understood that um, there would be a cost or a price given to freedom. Even though they were made free by the act of God parting the waters of the Red Sea going in to the, to the dry land. There still would be a cost to continue to pursue that freedom. And as much as we um, say that you know, there's no way that we would ever turn our back on freedom and turn back into slavery, uh, you and I do it spiritually all the time. Paul talks about this in, in a letter that he wrote, this little letter he wrote to a group of churches in, in the first century to, in Galatia. It's a little area, and there were a few little churches there that he wrote to. And he says this, and I want you to kind of turn your attention to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 1 and then verses 13 through 15. He says this in verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of, what's that last word? Say it with me. Slavery. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Two things about that verse. First and foremost, I think that um, we can understand that you and I, just like the Emancipation Proclamation, took 13 or 10 million uh, slaves and, and caused them to become free like that, so does the act of Jesus dying on the cross and you and I accepting that for salvation. In an instant, we're made free. Like our classification changes from slave to free. Once we were slave to sin, and, and now we're free from sin. 
Once we were slave to the results of sin, and that's uh, you know, not uh, eternity in heaven with God one day, we are made free from the bondage of the results of sin, which is eternity in hell. And God says in an instant, we're made free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So first and foremost, in that one verse, we see that our status changed. Just like President Lincoln allowed the status of so many millions of slaves in 1863 for their status to change. Our status, if you're a Christ follower in here, your status, my status, is that we're free. We're free. But the second part of that is included in there is the indication that you and I will turn our back on freedom and we will run back to the yoke of slavery, right? Like there's an indication here or else he wouldn't have said it. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You see, our tendency with the freedom that we've been given often, especially when we're in the desert of life, is to go right back to that thing that kept us in bondage in the first place. And when we do that, we turn our back on freedom. In fact, it may be that we're turning our back on freedom to pursue a few things or a lifestyle or a habit or a hurt that we keep going back to. Because as much as slavery is awful, as much as we don't even like to think about what happened to the slaves there in, in the 1800s in, in America and really worldwide in the 1800s, as much as we don't want to think about modern-day slavery or the slavery that the, the Jewish people went through by the hands of the Egyptians, you and I spiritually, myself included, turn right back to that thing that enslaves us spiritually. And it puts a lid on our spiritual growth. You see, just because we're free doesn't mean that we're pursuing freedom all the time. Just because we are free doesn't mean that we're always pursuing freedom. And what Paul says here and what God wants us to remember and what he wanted the Jewish people to remember is that you and I have a spiritual responsibility for ourselves and for those around us and to give glory to God to do something right with the freedom that we've been given. And so Paul begins and he says, for freedom, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Check out verse 13, because he digs down. He drills down a little bit, and I love this. He says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers. I'll add in sisters, okay? All right, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through, say that next word with me, through love. What's that next word? Serve one another. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. <laughs> That's a, a nice word of warning as well. You see, our tendency as humans, it is the sinful flesh, just natural tendency for us to step towards freedom. And then all of a sudden, when we realize that we may be going through a difficult time, we step right back to that thing that makes us feel better about life. And for each of you, for each of us, that thing is probably different, but it all is the same thing, and that is it's all sin. It's reliance on something or someone else, and all of a sudden we're captivated by that, and we're not captivated by God. And for some of you, it may be a hurt from the past 
that you keep going back to. It may be a scar that you keep you know, pulling off the scab to take a look at because you know what? There's something cathartic about that. There's, there's a, a state of depression that you keep going back to, and as much as you hate the depression, there's something about it that makes you feel good, and maybe you get a little bit of attention. For some of you, it may be bitterness about what's happened in the past. I know I've been through that before. For some of you, that bondage of slavery, um, I don't know, it might be, it might be a sexual sin. It, it might be something that has just captivated your heart and your attention And all of a sudden, your spiritual life is just capped by that thing that you keep coming back to you. For some of you, it may be gossip. It may be, um, you know, uh, it may be uh, not realizing all that you are in Christ. It may be uh, running down a neighbor or a friend or someone just for the sake of making yourself look better. You see, we often take the freedom that we're given and we often abuse it in so many different ways. Peter Marshall was the chaplain of the Senate back in the 1950s. He was a Presbyterian, uh, Scottish uh, Presbyterian and and American pastor. He would often give uh, the prayer to open up the Senate chambers. One day he was praying, and he was praying about this very thing, and these are the words of his prayer. He said, Lord Jesus, thou who art the way, the truth, and the life, hear us as we pray for the truth that shall make us all free. Teach us that liberty is not only to be loved, but also to be lived. Isn't that great? I love that, man. It's awesome. Liberty is too precious a thing, he says, to be buried in a book. It costs too much to be hoarded. Help us to see that our liberty is not the right to do as we please, but the opportunity to please to do what's right. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. And he mentions two things there that I think we often do with our liberty. He mentioned that we bury it and we hoard it. All right. And he was way before the show Hoarders. Okay. So he didn't know about that. All right. So he talks about burying it and hoarding it. And I think there's something else that we do with liberty. And I think we abuse it. We bury it this way. We suppress liberty. We suppress spiritual freedom when we think that like it might help someone else, but we only want it to help us. And we bury that. We keep it at bay. We save it up for a rainy day. Freedom is not to be saved. Freedom is to be utilized at every opportunity. Money is to be saved. Money is to be put in reserves. Freedom is not to be put in reserves. The freedom that God has given those of you who are here or Christ followers is to be used each and every day when you get out of bed. He mentions hoarding. We hoard freedom. Sometimes we, we take freedom and we save it up for, for really no good reason. I found out something about myself this week that I'm going to admit in front of you, okay? Um, I, Cynthia and I live a pretty like, simple life at home. Like We try to be minimalist, I think is what she calls it, so I follow her lead on that, right, guys? It's what we do, man, right? right? A little marriage tip there, guys, okay? Trust me, 21 years this summer. All right, anyway, uh, so I, I follow that lead, and um, we live a pretty simple, like, minimal life, and so I'm a minimalist at home, um, but I am a hoarder here at work. <laughs> I found that out this week when I was looking for one document for someone that needed a document that I had printed out. I remember printing it out. I remember putting it in a file, and I could not find it. So what did I do? I'm embarrassed to say that I took almost a half day and spent my precious, valuable time looking for a document in boxes and boxes and boxes. 
There is no reason anyone should keep a BlackBerry phone from, from 2002, okay? There's no reason that anyone should keep five flip phones from the years before that. And I kid you not, a pager, okay? So anyway, <laughs> I'm a work hoarder, all right? And I want you to ask me, Todd, why do you hoard? Why do you hoard at work? I have no idea why I keep the stuff I do here. It sits in boxes in that garage in my office, and it's ridiculous, and something needs to be done about it. <laughs> Cindy is so thankful that it's at work. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> You know what? We hoard freedom, don't we? We hoard freedom, spiritual freedom. We put it in a box and we save it and we have no idea why we're saving it. We think that maybe one day we'll pull it out, utilize it. We're not going to. We think it might be valuable later in life than it is now. How many of you have said, one day I'll start a devotional life? One day. I'll start serving some of these partners that we have in our community here at Hilton Island Community Church. One day I'll be at church, you know, every Sunday when I'm here, I'm here. Uh, one day I'll, 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 be, get, I'll give back to God, I'll give back to my church. One day, one day, one day, one day. Look, I, I'm a procrastinator. I, I am. I admit that too. I'm a hoarder and a procrastinator. Work hoarder and a procrastinator, all right? But you know what? That's, that's not what God intended for us to do with our freedom. And then lastly, he certainly didn't intend for us to abuse it. And I think that's the thing that Paul most clearly communicates here is that our freedom is not meant for us. Listen, I'm going to make a statement here, and it's not political at all. This is spiritual in nature. Freedom was not meant for your spiritual entitlement. It wasn't. It wasn't meant for my spiritual entitlement. We're owed nothing by God. Yet, when life crisis comes because of our doing, what do we do? God, get me out of this situation. Remove this thing in my life. And we expect God to come through in a situation that we've created. We may think that, like, he's going to provide. He has every ability to provide every bit of your needs. But I promise you, if you are looking to your faith for some kind of entitlement to get out of something, to get into something better, if you think that God owes you something, you have walked right back into that place of slavery to begin with. Right back to that place you started. I know this because I've done it before. I thought that somehow God owes me something spiritually, that I have you know, some kind of in with him. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything because he was the one that sent his son to give ultimate freedom. If you and I are using our freedom to please or gratify or satisfy ourselves, then we were walking right back into that place of slavery. Because what Paul said, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, in that verse there, uh, he says in verse 13 of Galatians 5, he says, you are called to freedom, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How are you handling the freedom that you have in Christ? Those of you who are Christ followers here, what are you doing with the freedom that he's given you? Man, that's been a tough question even for me to wrestle with 
in the, in the days leading up to today's message. Because often I think I bury it, and I think I may hoard it or squander it, and often I abuse it by using it on myself. That's not what God intended. He intended for us to serve him, to love others, and to serve others with the freedom that we've been given. Each of you who are here today who are Christ followers, the Bible is very clear about something. The Bible is very clear that if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, on that day, on that day, just like on January 1st, 1863, uh, millions of slaves were made free. On that day, you were made free. You were made free. In that moment in time when you accepted him as your Savior, you were made free. You were accepted into the family of God as a child of God. My question I want to leave with you today, the action step that I want you to take today, is I want you to identify just here in a few moments. I'm going to give you a chance to do this. You and God, just you and God. I'm not going to ask for your response on this question. This is just you and God. Identify with him the area or areas that you have a tendency to go back to. That area of slavery that like captivates your heart and your mind and your life and your actions and even your obedience. We'll talk about that one next week. What is the area or areas that you struggle with the most that you keep coming back to? Here's what I want you to hear today. Jesus died for your freedom. And he removed the chains because you're a child of God from the freedom from that thing or those things. He did it. What it's going to cost you is waking up each and every day walking in that freedom. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with those who are here, who are Christ followers. They're your children. They've been adopted into your family with all the rights and responsibilities that go with that. And God, right now in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you would help each one of us, myself included, to identify an area or areas of our life that pull us back into slavery. God, for some in this room, it may be some kind of secret sin that no one else knows about. And it has absolutely put a lid on their journey with you. It's causing guilt and pain and suffering and God, the consequences of that may not be far-reaching right now, but God, they could be in a moment. God, I pray that you would release some who are in here right now in the strong name of Jesus from the yoke of a secret sin that they may have or a secret lifestyle or a secret addiction or a secret habit. God, I pray right now that you would be with those who are in here. God, I pray with those who um, are under the yoke of the slavery of God, feeling hurt by someone else. Going back to that old place of someone hurting them and they just keep going back to that place over and over and over and over again. And God, the, the yoke of slavery of bitterness has taken a deep root. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that today they would give that up to you, that you would remove that. God, so they can walk in freedom every single day. 
God, I pray for those who are here today and fear grips them. It just overcomes them. Anxiety, despair, worry. God, I pray it may be silent or may not be silent. God, I pray right now that you would remove that place of slavery. God, I pray that you would allow us to have the courage and the character as your children, as part of your family, to walk each and every day in freedom. And God, that means leaving that place of slavery right here at your feet today, once and for all. I want to give you a moment just to talk to God, just in the quietness of this room. I'm not going to ask for your hands. I just want you, if you're a Christ follower in here, just to talk to God for a moment and ask him to identify what that thing is that you need to give to him and lay it at his feet right now. Give it to him. Ask him for the courage to overcome that. Take just a moment to talk to God in this silence. right now I just want to also pray for those who maybe in the sound of my voice um, who have never accepted the, the freedom that you offer through your son God the, the emancipation is signed it's sealed and it's delivered but God they've never changed their status from slave to free if you're in here today and you've been maybe seeking or um, God maybe you've been um, searching God, or perhaps you're in here today and uh, you are, uh, you're just kind of, you've been skeptical, but something happened today. Something happened over the last hour. And, and it's, you know it's time for you to change your status. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of giving your life to Christ. And um, I'm just going to ask you to silently, in your heart, pray to God these words or something similar. God, thank you so much for making me Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my freedom. And today, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm flawed. And today, I give my life to you. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. And now, Father God, help me to walk in that freedom every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer uh, with me over these next few moments in some form or fashion, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and keep it up for a moment. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Awesome. Anyone else? There's a couple of hands up. Awesome. Anyone else this morning? Awesome. Father, I pray for those who have their hands raised now. God, thank you so much that their day of freedom is today. Their Independence Day is today, July 3rd, 2016. God, help them um, to walk in that freedom each and every day. Help all of us to do that. Help us to have the courage as your children to walk in the freedom that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.